We are so excited for today's show where Sari and I will share a little bit about times where we've moved and we've tried to make friends in a new town, what's gone well, what hasn't, the ups and downs, and what we recommend to make friends in a new town and uh, also some of our fails along the way. So first up, a quick announcement. We have an SLP self-care crate. I've been looking for something like this for a long time. This is going to be a once-only box that you will receive in June with all sorts of self-care items to help you refresh, reflect, and transition from spring to summer. If you're interested, you can find all sorts of information on the website, which we'll link to, and orders are due by April 15th, tax day. So if you're interested, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com or slpnourishcrate.com. And as always, links are in the show notes. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss habit change, realistic things we're trying to do to make our home and work lives happier and healthier. We also share specific how-tos so you can leave feeling confident about working with your clients. We are the How-To and Habit Change Podcast, and if you are a like-minded SLP, welcome. Let's learn together. This episode, we'll talk about how to make friends as an adult particularly when you move or find yourself in need of some local friends. Mm -hmm. We'll also chat about if you should follow your passion in your work and some advice to get you doing less, not more. I'm Sari Wu and I am doing more, not less, but I am trying to be better. (laughs) And I'm Sarah Lockhart and I read books about how to do less But as a pretty ambitious person, I don't always follow through. In fact, I often don't. So hopefully today's topics will help us both. And together, we are SLP Happy Hour. We are passionate about combating perfectionism and helping SLPs create stronger and healthier relationships with their work worlds. So let's do this. On to the show. First up, we wanted to talk about how to make friends as an adult. It's something that's really difficult, isn't it? It is. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, when you're in college uh, or even a young professional, sometimes you just kind of happen upon people. But I found that Mm -hmm. as an adult, you have to seek those relationships out and try to make friends. Right. You're, You're right. Because when you're younger and as you're transitioning out of school and even grad school, you have all these opportunities where you're thrown together with people who have common interests who you make friendships with just automatically by being with them in proximity or through the context of a familiar of a similar interest. But when you move somewhere new or when you, uh, at, you know, as an adult, especially in the area where we live, there aren't a lot of opportunities for you to meet people in the, in the same type of way. So you kind of have to create those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've moved a few times. Um, One is I actually moved out of the state for my graduate degree. And that was a really lonely time for me. I would say I made a couple friends. But (laughs) it's not easy to do, especially when you're really busy in Mm -hmm. grad school. Um, And then I moved a couple years ago from Portland 
to a small town. We live in a small town in Southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I'm still trying to make more friends, which is why I think, you know, our words for this season are community and simplicity, mm-hmm. because I want to do better at making more friends and making the time to get together with people. But what I tend to do is my default is just think like, oh, I'm too busy <laughs> or like, oh, that's too complicated. And then not schedule anything. Mm-hmm. How about you? For me, um, this is where I live in the area where I grew up. And what was hard for me was I moved away as soon as I graduated high school. And I, and I was a poor correspondent. I didn't really do a good job of keeping in touch with folks that stayed in the area. I moved away went to school, went to Taiwan, moved back, started grad school. And then within this area, I didn't know anybody anymore. So I had to start all over again, which was a shocker coming from this area and realizing when I moved back that I didn't have any relationships anymore and I had to start from scratch. Right, which is hard because it's the same place. Right. But all of a sudden, you know, people have moved on. Mm -hmm. So you might not... um... You're so used to having it, having people around you know, and you know, you have a big family in the area. I do. It's kind of a default. Mm -hmm. So that must have been quite the change. It was quite the change. And I never honestly thought that I would move back to this area, but I found when I lived other places that I missed, especially my family, and um, we wanted to start a family and be close to my parents and my siblings for to have that family community, but I hadn't really taken into it account the friendship community and how hard that would be to restart all over again. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like, do you want more community in your life this year? Do you feel like you need to develop more friendships or do you feel like you have a stable group now? You know that phrase, like some friends are silver and the other gold. I think it's a song, make new friends and keep the old. I feel like I have some really old, close, golden friendships, Mm -hmm. but I'm always open to new friendships. And within this area now, I feel like I'm happy with my my level of community friends. I I would like to make more, especially within my my workplace, but I think that now I'm comfortable and I like that I have folks like you, Sarah, Mm -hmm. that I can call up and, and go to brunch with. But I also like that I'm not super busy, that I feel like there's people calling all the time wanting to do things. Right. And I think, you know, because I moved here, um, you know, fairly recently, um, I mean years, but you know, this is not where I have my core group of friends. I think that it is one of my goals this year to develop more friendships. Mm -hmm. And the podcasting world has been a huge part of that, which has been really great. Um, Podcasters are just so friendly. So... Today we're not just talking about podcasting friends or even (laughs) just SLP friends, but all friends. How to find local friends. So we actually have some tips that we came up with Mm -hmm. that have helped us as we figure this out. So to be clear, we're figuring this out too, but here's some things that have helped us that we wanted to share with you. So our first tip is... uh, you know, obviously within your work setting, that's a good way to meet people and make friends. And my advice with that is go to the social events. When they have a party at someone's house, go. Spend time outside of work with them. If there's a potluck, eat lunch in the lunchroom with everyone and socialize. Put yourself out there and and make some friends with those people at your work. Outside of that, doing community things, like if you go to church, you know, that's a good way to automatically meet a community of people and make friends there. 
Um, if you really want to challenge yourself, you can do like I did and, and join a improv, join a theater group and try community theater to make friends. And you've done things like workout classes and groups yes. where you've been able to meet people too, right? Some yes. Insanity. Yes. I, I did make some friends through the exercise classes. That's another great way. Or even some of those other, if you, if exercise is not your thing, other community classes. And I see those in the newspaper. I see those on Facebook and on Instagram to, if you need to find some. And then uh, online, look for Facebook groups in your area. Mm-hmm. Look for meetups in your area. Um, you know, there's like meetup.com, right? The website. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of groups with varied interests where you can meet people in person, even if you work alone like I do. I have a solo private practice and then I do telepractice. So um, there are options either way. Right. And once you have a few friends, those friends will introduce you to their community of friends. And before you know it, you'll have more friends. So start start putting yourself out there and, and meeting people and, and you'll find that it'll start a ripple effect of friends and friendships. And let, let the friends you have now know that you're interested in hanging out with more people and mm-hmm. have open invitations um, to include other people besides the ones that you've met. Right. Uh, Also, don't forget to keep in touch with your old friends, like Sari was saying, those golden friends, because making new friends is hard, and um, having that deep connection that's already established will really pull you through that kind of difficult, tentative time of developing more local friendships. Mm -hmm. One thing that I like to do, I have a, uh, my very closest girlfriend lives up in Seattle, and we will, you know, just every now and then check in through a text. Polo is actually a great way if you don't do polo, it's a video message, a great way just to share something if you hear a song or if something pops up that makes you think of that person, just send them a quick polo. Hey, guess what I heard today made me think of you and um, they'll appreciate it. It'll keep those connections and those friendships going. Mm-hmm. And then get something on the schedule. So I try to um, once a month, but it only happens probably once a quarter, have meetups uh, locally with an SLP friend or two, which is a great way to meet new people by having it be an open invitation, but also have some, not just social friends, but SLP friends, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, And to to have it on the schedule just reminds you that it needs to happen. So you can have a reminder on the phone, on your phone or on the calendar, um, just like, hey, let's try to do, you know, an SLP meetup this month. I've really appreciated that you've coordinated those. I've met a lot of SLPs and made a lot of other new friends through you coordinating those meetups. And that's, um, so that's been great for me to build that community up. Because as you know, especially when I was in grad school, I didn't know very many SLPs in the area. So I met a lot through you, Sarah. And I really appreciate that. And it's not always easy to build new friendships. You really have to put yourself out there. And as you put yourself out there, there will be people you just don't click with, which mm-hmm. can make you feel bad or self-conscious. Like, oh, what, why, why isn't there a connection here? So on that vein, I wanted to talk about um, it is a hard time. So go easy on yourself as you develop new friendships. Absolutely. And also, I think maybe accept that sometimes you have to let friendships go. And that can be hard. um, But I think that the older we get, 
things change in our life, we reach a different place in our life than where we were. And I, I mean, obviously you'd prefer that it's just kind of a natural transition and it's not like a big fallout, but sometimes you do just kind of have to realize that you're not as close as you used to be. You don't have as much in common as you used to. And, um, it may be time to move on from that friendship. And I talk about this often, but a quote that I really like is sometimes you have to love people from afar. Mm-hmm. And that could be someone who's, you know, broken a boundary or, you know, repeatedly demonstrated a behavior that shows you they're not a safe person to mm-hmm. be around. But it could also be just a friendship where both of you aren't very happy and aren't getting what you need um, to think about loving them from afar so that it's not all negative. Um So another thing that we wanted to chat about is, you know, as SLPs especially, of course we're talking about general friendships, but it's really hard to get SLPs together. And I know because I try to do that locally, but we're busy, people have families. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and then over time, some friends will just fall off the map or they won't want to do evenings because they have young kids. So scheduling time to get together and actually making social time happen is really difficult with some people and when that happens I kind of just let them fall off the map because it seems like there's no good way to schedule I don't know yes and I also um thinking about kind of letting some of that fall off the map I know that we have a lot of grad school students that are listening and I feel like when I was in grad school I had a lot of friends who didn't understand what it was like and put a lot of pressure on me to come out and do a lot of things and, and to drive out and see them. And it didn't understand when I couldn't because I was so busy with my studies and, and getting through grad school. And I think at that point, you kind of have to analyze your priorities and, and if you, whether or not your friends are being good friends and supporting mm-hmm. you through this and understanding this. So Um, That's something I think that you should reflect on and just know that this, yes, this is straining on friendships, but you'll get through it and prioritize those ones that you feel are those golden friendships and make time for those. Yeah, because there's a big transition time between, I would say, from graduate school to even your early career years are super busy Mm -hmm. and then people start having kids. So (laughs) I, I feel like you know, your 20s and 30s, there's going to be friendships that fizzle out. Yeah. And it's going to be tricky to find friends that have the time and availability to get together. But it's still worth it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And kind of speaking of grad school, Sarah, let's talk a little bit about um, our road to slp And today we were going to share mine Mm-hmm. Uh, and you had some questions for me? I do. So we've gotten questions, and I'll, I'll do it too, but just in another episode, where people have wanted to know how did we become interested in the profession, when did we first hear about the profession, what was our grad school experience like, and so on. So here's some questions for you. Uh, when did you first hear of an SLP, and what did you know about it to start Oh my goodness. So the truth is, I had never heard about it until high school. Uh, My boyfriend's mom was a speech therapist. And I remember her telling me that when the first time I met the parents and I had no idea what that was. I'll be honest. I had no idea what she did. That was how I first heard about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's a that's a close. Yeah, I I was researching jobs and I was like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what kind of jobs did you have after? So you did your undergrad in teaching, mm-hmm. I know. So what kind of jobs did you have after your undergrad? So towards the end of undergrad, I was doing these camp counselor jobs overseas during summers. And the first job I took after I graduated was a um, counselor, like a supervising counselor in Germany on an army base there. And directly after that, I moved to Taiwan and I taught English there. And then I moved back and I worked as a data specialist for a school district. And then... uh, the administrative assistant for the school district while in grad school. Mm-hmm. And after that, obviously now an SLP. Um, was it intimidating once you realized you wanted to be an SLP and you realized, oh, I'm going to need to go to grad school while working full-time at that job? Did you feel intimidated ahead of time about those years that were about to you know, come down the road for you? I was worried, but part of the reason I stayed in that job was it was the type of job I could leave at the door. I didn't have to take it home with me in the evening, so I could leave it at the end of the day when I got off work and then go home and just focus on grad school. So it, it was a good position in, in that sense, and the district was also very supportive of me in grad school and very flexible with the hours that I needed. So that was nice. Um, and tell me a little bit about your experience of applying to grad schools, because we get a lot of questions about, you know, what is it like to apply to grad school? What is the process like? So just tell me about your experience. Well, my experience, and I don't know if a lot of people can relate to it, but I knew that I needed a posi- like a grad school program that allowed me to work. So I was only really looking at online programs because we live in a rural area and I needed a job and so Nova I heard about the Nova Southeastern University program that they had an Oregon cohort with scholarships available and it honestly was the first program I applied to and it so mine was really lucky I did have to do an interview and that was a little stressful and that you know they review all your documents you have to have letters of reference you have you they want to see your transcripts and your test scores um fortunately i did pretty good and i have always kind of been that studious person studious person like i don't know anxious person i was like like shaking my hands overachiever anxious person and um that paid off for me in that sense so it, it was a fairly smooth process for me Mm-hmm. And then we've talked about on the podcast what it's been like for you to work full time mm-hmm. and go to grad school. But tell me a little bit about when you were in grad school, what kind of age or population did you think or setting did you think that you would work with or setting did you think you'd work in? Okay, so when I started grad school, I thought schools um, from the get go. Um, But I had had no experience working with adults. And after I had done um, some observations at at an outpatient clinic, and then also when I had my full-time externship doing um, inpatient rehab and and a little bit of acute care in the hospital, I fell in love with working with adults. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I remember graduating feeling like I was preferring to work with adults over schools, but I did love both. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember, do you remember the story? We were sitting at a sushi restaurant and you were telling me about this school district job you mm-hmm. got offered. And you were thinking about 
do I, do I want it? Do, am I going to take it? And am I not? And it was a self-contained classroom with high need students. Many of the students were AAC users. Mm-hmm. And so to be honest, I did try to steer you away from it because I felt like that's a really difficult job. Like that's not, not an easy place to start for a CF, but it turns out you loved it. You really blossomed. You found a love of working with, you know, communicators with complex needs you now love working with AAC so tell me about the choice to make that job and then once you were in that job what you learned and what that experience was like as a CF okay um so the the story is I got offered this I went to this interview I got offered this job and I knew that I would be focused with students who had complex communication needs and also quite a few behavioral concerns And I felt as a CF very concerned and underprepared for taking that job. And I actually initially turned it down. And I remember talking to you about it and, um, and your advice was very good and coming from a place of experience and knowing that that would be hard on me. (laughs) So I also, um, later the superintendent called me and asked, uh, to chat with me and the SPED director reached out and wanted to, to talk with me some more. And I met with the district again, and through that conversation, I just felt like everyone really wanted to just completely support me and be there for me and make this work. And the level of support and um, welcoming of this district and really wanting me to succeed and really wanting to hire me made me feel like it was a good fit and that I could, I, it was, I'd like to try so, yes, so I did accept that job, and I'm really glad that I did because uh, now, this year, I feel so much more prepared for so many things that, uh, that have come my way because I took, honestly, one of the hardest jobs you could start your CF out with, and uh, I'm actually really glad I did. It was tough, but I'm better for it. Yeah, it's it's like you went through boot camp for yeah. being an SLP. Yeah. You had lots of, you know, communicators with complex needs. You had lots of different AAC going on. So it's it was fun to see instead of, you know, you letting that overwhelm you, it really seemed like you were blossoming your first year. So that was fun to see. Thanks, Sarah. Well, I hope that sharing and opening up with a little more insight into my background and my journey and path to becoming an SLP is relatable for you, our listeners. Um, We are going to interview Sarah with similar questions at a later show. But for now, let's move on to one of our listener favorite segments, which is what, Sarah? Next up, we'll talk about some SLP wisdom that'll get you doing less, not more. This segment is one where we share advice that has helped us in hopes that it helps you too. So this advice is decide what you are not going to do. So make a list of things you'll stop doing. So it's important to remember that when you take on new tasks and new responsibilities, you have to let some old ones go because we don't have an unlimited window of time. We have limited time, especially if we're busy SLPs or busy SLP students or busy SLPAs. So as we add on new tasks, decide what you're gonna let go, or maybe you're even gonna let something go that you just don't enjoy doing anymore and you realize that you don't have to do it. So another thing is if you can't let something go completely, decide what you're going to do less of or spend less time doing. 
and we have some examples. Who should start? I think you should start. Okay, so one is uh, spending less time on Instagram. So mm -hmm. as far as what I'm gonna stop doing is posting to the feed so frequently because I feel like putting more time into stories is better, but also I'm working on some Facebook stuff, some Pinterest stuff. So in order to open up some time to do that, I'm gonna have to be on Instagram less, even though it's definitely my favorite <laughs> of the three. <laughs> Uh, number two, something I'm going to do less of is spend so much time doing administrative tasks for my clinic. I'm going to try to ask for help more, maybe hire help, do fewer things. And then this one we're doing today, uh, I'm not going to spend so much time writing scripts. So our first year of the podcast was pretty scripted. Now we're writing outlines, mostly because it's taking time, but also because really we're more confident now <laughs> that we can that we can kind of riff off each other with an outline. How about you, Sari? All right. So to uh, piggyback on yours, one of mine is also to spend less time on social media. And I think I'm getting better with some of this because now I know how, because actually before, even though I'm kind of a techie, I didn't know how to do a lot of things on social media. Like Sarah probably three or four times had to teach me how to do an Instagram story and now I can do it. You could, okay, and full disclosure, she could do this story, but you know how you can add on like music or stickers or yes. text. That yes. was really tricky. Like bonus things, mm -hmm. yeah, that I just needed just a little guidance to figure out how to get. So Sarah was very patient with teaching me how to do that. So that has made things faster though too, when you're not trying to, it's amazing how much time it can take when you're clicking around and trying to find how to do something. I agree. Anyway, okay, number two, I've said it before, is not staying late at work. I've been wah, trying. Wah. I know. I was <laughs> this week epic fail. Sarah knows the truth. Mm -hmm. I have been trying to leave before five consistently. And I've gotten good two days a week at doing that, but the other ones not so much. So I'm working on that. And then my last one is uh, to stop sitting incorrectly in my therapy chair because I'm hurting my back. So I'm going to try to do less sitting activities. And stand up more. And stand up more. Day. Yep. So next up, we've got a listener question. And as usual, you listeners are so great. It's a good one. So here we go. I've been hearing so much lately about following your passion and that if you follow your passion, you'll never work a day in your life. I'm an SLP student, and while I'm passionate about it now, I know that for a lot of SLPs, the job feels like work, and you can lose that passion. So, should your work be your passion as an SLP? Great question. Mm -hmm. I've, heard, I've heard all of those things said, and I've even heard SLPs say, like, my work is my passion. I'm passionate about it. I would do it for free. So, I would say passion fades. You cannot be passionate 100% of the time, just like you can't be happy 100% of the time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so find things that are interest areas within the profession that you really like. So right now mine is apraxia and early communicators with autism, but even that will shift. But that will kind of help you continually find your passion. And then I would say, especially since this question was from a student, being an SLP is work, and it's hard work, and it'll feel like hard work. Mm -hmm. But why do we think that hard work is bad? It's rewarding work. It's challenging work, and it challenges your brain as you figure out your learners. So I think all work feels like work, period. 
no matter what you do. So I think when I reflect on my job, I think it's more important instead of thinking, am I passionate about this? I think you should come up, we've talked about values before, and think about your values. What do you want out of your profession? Do you want to be able to travel? Do you want to be able to spend more time with your family? Do you value that community at your work? And figure out what you want with your work as far as setting up your life and then look for a job or profession that fits your values, Mm -hmm. not necessarily your passions. And don't tie your worth into your work. Mm. So your worthiness as a human or your belief about how good or badly you did that day should not be tied to how much paperwork you finished or what time you left the office or how good of an SLP you are. I think that if our passion is our work, it's too easy to tie in our belief about ourselves as human beings, our worth into our work and how our work is going and to let difficult times at work internally impact us and how we feel about ourselves. So that's a danger. Before we start our final segment today, I wanted to share a podcast review from SLP Hope, and it's titled, Love It, and I Feel Like I Can Breathe Easier. Oh, isn't that sweet? I love that. So SLP Hope wrote, I will be starting my CF in two weeks, and I'm already nervous about the challenge I'll face over the next year. However, you guys make me feel relaxed and confident in my ability to be myself. I can't wait for more episodes. So sweet. I love that. And I love that SLP Hope added in that piece about she's feeling confident or he is feeling confident in his or her ability to be. When we first started this, we wrote that one of our goals was to empower SLPs. And this is exactly what we were hoping listeners would get from the podcast. So thank you, SLP Hope. You are reaffirming why we are doing this podcast and we hope you do feel empowered. And if you have started your CF, we hope it's going well. Good luck to you. Keep us posted. Yeah. And remember that there are tons of ways to be a great SLP and you can be yourself and still be an SLP. If you don't like to sing songs, don't sing songs. If you don't (laughs) like crafts, I don't like crafts. Uh, Stop doing crafts. Um, Find Find a way to be an SLP and help your learners that feels good to you because there are a million different ways to do it. Yes, to thine own self be true. Oh, Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And before we go, we wanted to share with you what's going on with us these days in a segment we call What's Up, What's Down. That's right, and I am What's Down this week. And for me, what's down is jury duty. Uh I got summoned for jury duty. I did not expect to get selected, but I did. I got picked and had to serve for four days on a jury. And while I thought the process was very interesting and I learned a lot while being on a jury, because I've never done it before, I missed a lot of things. I had to cancel a chiropractor appointment. I had to miss meetings. I had to reschedule things at my school and it was way more stressful than I had ever anticipated so that was a a down for sure that's a long time to be on jury duty too Mm -hmm. um so I'll try to bring us up a bit with what's up um what's up for me lately is honestly the podcast it's been a great 
second season. It's been really fun. I've loved hearing from listeners. So you listening, thank you so much for listening in. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and being a part of what we're creating because it just makes me feel so good. I love it. Mm -hmm. And thank you for those reviews. We love, we read each and every one and they uh, help us know that we're doing what we set out to do and it means a lot. So there you have it. That's what we've got for this episode of SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of how to find friends in a new town, how to take things off your to-do list, and if your work should be your passion. Consider taking us up on our self-care challenge of deciding what not to do or what to start doing less of. We also hope you can relate to Sari's journey to becoming an SLP and I enjoyed learning more about you and I hope our listeners did too. We also talked about work and worth and if your job should be your passion today. If you want more on work and worth, check out episode 24, which is a good one. We hope you found this episode helpful, informative, and learned something along the way. Did you learn something new today? Chances are you can implement one thing, whether it's making a don't do list or joining a community group. Remember, by sharing our experiences with each other, we can all become stronger members of this SLP community and become more forgiving of ourselves. If you learned something new from this episode, please share it with a friend. Do you know someone who has moved to a new area recently and might need some tips about cultivating and creating a new community? Share this episode with them. And if you want to build your community and have stronger friendships this year, we've created a workbook just for you with a step-by-step process we've used to cultivate our own friendships this year. You can find that at slphappyhour.com slash community freebie and link it up in the show notes. You can find out more about us at our website, slphappyhour.com or on social media as slphappyhour. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that this was a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. We enjoyed recording it. Until next time, this has been SLP Happy Hour. not laughing at that idea. Don't worry. We're encouraging it.